here. You ever wondered who or what can change the course of history? I know that's a deep question, you know, who or what can change the course of of human history because so many times we look at, at kings or presidents. We look at political leaders or we look at the wealthy or the Fortune 500 company to, to change the course of history. But what we've learned, and, and if you study history any at all, I, I, I'm one of those individuals, I enjoy history. I enjoy learning about uh, the, the mistakes and the successes of the past. And, and uh, so I spend probably a lot of time, maybe more than I should, uh, looking back at some of the things that, that our other generation previously maybe didn't receive from and, and see if we can glean some information. What I've learned and what you probably learned is most often God's not necessarily looking for a king. He's not always looking for a Fortune 500 CEO. He's not always looking for a general or a, a president to change the course of history. Uh, most often he's just looking for a man or woman who's willing and sometimes that willing individual comes from poor economic backgrounds. They've been disadvantaged economically. Maybe they've come from fragmented homes, or, or, or maybe they, they have had no power uh, to prevail in life, and they, they barely got by through educationally, and, and it seemed as if they were adrift, and then all at once something took hold of them, and their life was transformed and renewed, and, and they got a clear picture of destiny and future, and all at once they became an earth shaker and a world changer. And I believe we're living in a land right now that, that demands we have some world changers, that we have some individuals, whether it be this present culture or the culture of the generation coming up, that are world changers, that have a view of, of biblical mandates, and they understand that they can be world changers and they can make a difference in the world. In Exodus chapter 1 and chapter 2. In fact, go to chapter 2. Uh, but chapter 1 gives us the account of, of the bondage that, that the Hebrew children were under. And if you get to Exodus chapter 2, it brings us to kind of a strategic juncture in history. Because they had a new Pharaoh, a new leader. And he had become very worried about the growth of the Hebrews. Because they were having explosive growth. Now, if you know, he, he, he was fearful because their growth was becoming problematic because he feared that they were going to overthrow his kingdom. How I many know there's no, nobody that wants a slave to overthrow the kingdom? So Pharaoh had become so frustrated with the growth of the Hebrews that he had a decree written, and that was that every man child every boy child that was born of a mother was to be killed and thrown into the Nile River and so we we have to understand that this was kind of a a unique time in history in Exodus chapter 2 because of time I, I can only read just a couple verses but in verse 1 of chapter 2 and a man of the house of Levi went and took as wife, a daughter of Levi. So the woman conceived and bore a son, and when she saw that he was a beautiful child, she hid him for three months. Why did she hide him? Because there was a decree to kill the male children. 
because of the, the fear that Pharaoh had of the growth of the Hebrew children. So he sent that decree. So this mother hides her child for three months. When she could no longer hide him, she took an ark of bulrushes for him, daunted it with asphalt and pitch, and put him in this basket and placed it in the river. Now, we know what this story is. If you spend any time in Sunday school and any time in, in, in elementary growth programs of the church, you understand this is a story of Moses. But what you probably failed to realize was there was more involved in the story than Moses. And so I want to take just a moment of your time to, to unfold this for you because I don't think we truly appreciate how much a woman or a mother's role in a child's life can change a destiny. We'll deal with fathers later in a few weeks, but today we need to talk to mamas and let mamas understand how valuable you are, how much you play a role in changing the course and the destiny of lives if you look at this story and you spend a little bit of time studying it, you understand that not only was there a decree to kill the, the boy children that were born, but there was also a decree upon those who served as midwives to be, in fact, the ones who killed the child. So when Pharaoh said he wanted all these newborn Hebrew boys to be killed, he gave that mandate to the midwives. The midwives were the ones who served with the woman who was giving birth to the child. So what was about to happen was they were going to allow them to give birth to the child, slaughter the child, and Pharaoh's command was to throw that child dead in the Nile River. Now, now that seems within itself so harsh, but that was the culture and the time. Now the Bible says for us, in chapter 2, that there was a woman of the daughter of Levi, and her husband and her conceived a child, and, and they're nameless in the beginning. Moses' mother was nameless in the beginning. There's very little known about her, but a great value that you can learn from her, and her name was Chocobed. You say, well, that's a, that's a unique name. Well, you've got to understand, she wasn't only the major player in the role. Jochebed was impregnated with a seed that could change the world. She was carrying the, the child Moses. You say, well, I don't understand the significance. You have to understand that Jochebed came from Levi's lineage. And we know later on that Levi's were the priest. They were in charge of the tabernacle. They were worshipers of the Most High God. So she already had been set prophetically in motion to be a carrier of a seed. She didn't understand that that unborn child was Moses who would one day be the deliverer. She didn't understand the significance of it. All she knew was she was pregnant with a child and somebody wanted to steal her baby. And you don't take no mama's baby. And so you don't understand, but see, at this moment, she didn't understand what we understand, that the Levites would be an authority of the tabernacle. She didn't understand that this very lineage that she was protecting was going to be the lineage of Abraham's covenant. 
that this child that she was going to fight to protect was going to become a part of the lineage of Abraham's covenant, which Messiah would come out of. See, you don't understand right now, mamas, how difficult it is to, to engage in the warfare against those who want to separate the destiny of your child. You say, well, Jochebed was a wonderful woman. Well, what about the two midwives? What about the two women who defied the civil order of Pharaoh and said, I'm not going to abort that child? Because, see, when Jochebed was in her last stage of labor, there were two midwives there. There were two other women there that said, you know what? We're not going to comply. We don't think this is right. We're going to defy civil order. We're going to step up against our Pharaoh and say, wait a minute. There's a greater heritage at stake here, and we're not going to listen to Pharaoh. And those two women stepped up and became a part of the covenant between them and Jochebed, who preserved a child. Sometimes you're not a mama, but you're in covenant with mama. Because you may be in this room and you've never had a child. You may be in this room and you've not yet become married and you've not given birth to a child. And you say, well, Mother's Day don't mean much to me. But yet you are a child of a mama. You may be here this morning and you're like, what is the role that I can play? Maybe you can play the role of helping a mama keep her child alive. Maybe you can be the midwife that seems unnamed but plays a divine role in the destiny and the lineage of the future of the Hebrew people. The Bible says, and i got to hurry, the Bible says, you all, you, all, you all right? The Bible says that when Jochebed gave birth to this child, Sephora and Puhara had been there. That's the midwives. They had been there. They're unnamed, but they'd been there. And they'd walked her through this process. And the Bible says that, that Jochebed looked at her child. And what did she say? It's a beautiful child. There ain't a mother in this room that don't think her baby's beautiful. Now, I don't want to say this because I hate to be offensive. But, but most babies... My wife has schooled me. She said, you can't say that, Ryan. Because the truth is, some, some, never mind, I better not. But y'all know what I'm talking about, and I don't need to say no more. But to a mama who for nine months or the, or the period of time in which they carried it, and they finally go through birth pains, and they finally give birth, there ain't nobody on the earth going to tell a mama that her baby ain't beautiful. The problem is we begin to grow up and we begin to fail to remember and recall the beauty of what God gave us. Because we choose to look at our children not through the eyes of the birthing and the joy and the blessing, but we begin to look at them futuristically. And, and you may be looking at your child right now as a mother and say, I I just don't really see good things coming from my child. And my child's struggling and my, my struggle's out of sorts and my child is not with God and they're in rebellion. I got good news for you. 
You better be able to go back as a mother and call your child a beautiful blessing and start speaking over your child even today. Regardless, your child may be 35 and on drugs. They may be right now in prison. They might be right now in disobedience. You're going to start calling, Lord, thank you for my blessing. Thank you, Lord, for my beautiful child. You gave me a beautiful child, and I still prophesy beauty over them. Does that make sense to anybody? Because sometimes as mothers, it becomes somewhat difficult. Preach, Pastor. Sometimes it becomes difficult to continue to call your grown children beautiful when they don't act like you taught them. When they start acting contrary to what you taught them. When they act in open rebellion and what they used to hide from you, they don't hide anymore because now they're adults. And your heart's broken as a mother. And I know there's some mothers in this room, your children are not living the way they should be living and they're not obeying God. They're not fearfully pursuing the things of God. And you're like, man, my heart is broken as a mother. I want to rejoice today because I know I brought my mother some sorrow. That's all right. Some of you don't remember what it was like to bring some sorrow to your mother while she was staying up half the night praying for you to come home safely in your drunken stupor. Your mama that wouldn't give up on you. Your mama that Bible thumped you because you, you wouldn't seem to obey and she, she drug you into the house of God hoping that one day the anointing of God would get all up on you. And you resisted it and you kept running after the things of the world. There's some mamas in here today that got them a revelation. The revelation is my child's beautiful and blessed. My child's beautiful and blessed. My child's beautiful and blessed. And you got to say that today. My child's beautiful and they're blessed. Your child may be an infant today. You say, oh, he's so beautiful, or she's so beautiful and so blessed. But you've got to keep saying it when they become adolescents. You've got to keep saying it when they become rebellious teenagers. You've got to keep saying it when they go down a path that is not designed by God. See, mamas can't just give birth to it because mamas will mother until there's nothing else to mother. Am I right about it? <laughs> Mothers are so sacrificial because they see the beauty of their child. And don't ever lose the beauty of your children, regardless of what they're doing today. Can I encourage moms right now? You guys, listen, I'll get to you next month. Moms, don't ever lose focus. Your child is beautiful and blessed and a blessing of God. Start it again. Blessing your child. Lord, thank you for the blessing. You say, well, he's 36 years old. He ought to know better. Bless him. Bless her. Quit talking about what they are. Talk about what they're about to become. Change your confession over your child. Stop reminding them of their failures. Stop reminding them of their limitations. And start speaking prophetically to them. Their future. You say, well, I don't know their future. Neither did Jochebed. But what she did was she preserved the legacy and a world changer. And there are people in this room right now as mothers. You can change the destiny of your child. I read this article, and here I go again. I, I, if you haven't d- discovered by now, I spend some time reading. Because if I had to minister to you based on my own limited understanding of life, I wouldn't have much to offer. Probably why my sermons are so long. I put a little in so that hopefully in the course of my life I have something to pull out. And I was reading this story, and, and, and it was so fitting, and, and I read it some time back. But in South Wales many, many years ago, A mother was on a journey with her small infant child and 
the weather had become rather coarse and very harsh and the snow began to flurry and and it became progressively worse. And, and as she traveled toward her destination, it got so worse that the snow was a, a blinding snow. And it was like a blizzard condition. And, and, and the temperatures dropped. And she, caught, she was caught in between two places. And, 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 and the conditions became so severe that, that she didn't make it to her destination. The next day when the weather had cleared up some, the searchers were looking for her because she had not arrived when they found the mother, they found that she had stripped off all of her external garments. And she had wrapped her child in all of her external her coverings, wrapped the child up, and she had provided a cocoon covering over her infant child. She had lost her life. When the searchers opened up, they were shocked and surprised to find that infant child alive. That mother had given her life for that child. You say, well, that's a great story. His name was David Lloyd George. You say, I don't know him. He was the prime minister of Great Britain and was one of that nation's statesmen and honored men. He would have never reached his destiny had there not been a mother who said, he's beautiful. And he's blessed. And I'm going to do all I can do to make sure he's covered and has a chance to change the world. So not only must you view your child as blessed and beautiful, you've got to provide a, a sense of protection, moms. And all moms know this. Come on, mamas. You know you've got to protect them because they're not going to protect themselves. They think they can fly. And until you get them off the roof, they'll try. They'll jump out of the window hoping they can hit the trampoline. I love you, son. Since we're on that subject, they'll walk the dog. We need to pray. Well, they'll not necessarily walk the dog. They'll ride their bike and walk the dog. didn't work out so well with a broke arm later. What am I saying? The Bible said that Jochebed realized her child was beautiful and blessed, and for three months she did what? She sheltered him. She protected him. And the Bible says that, that not only did she protect him, but, but she, she did all she could do to keep him alive. Now, here's what's interesting. Most social workers and those who have studied children will tell you that children form their personalities and their values and their worldviews within the first eight years of their life. And most of that is shaped and molded by their mother. Now, Jochebed didn't have eight years to form something. At best, she had three months to provide some protection. Now, here's what's interesting. What was she protecting him from? Well, common sense would say she was protecting him from death. I'd like to say she was preserving him for destiny. But she was also protecting him from the Nile River. 
Because if that child was to die, he was going to be tossed into the Nile River. Let me break this for you this way. Let's take the Nile River and make it the world. Let's take mothers in this room and let you be the Jochebed who is protecting your child from the world. And in order to protect her child from the world, she hid him until she couldn't hide him anymore. And then she had to release him, whichever mother struggles with. And we'll talk about that in a moment. But she had to release him, what? Back into the world. She had to release him into the Nile. Now, here's what a lot of us may not understand, and I found it just totally fascinating. Because according to the culture of that day, if you look at the last verse of chapter 1 of, Genesis, or of Exodus, the Bible says that he made the decree that all the, the boy children that were born to be executed and killed and thrown into the Nile, right? Why the Nile? Why would he say throw it in the Nile? Because culture teaches us that Pharaoh believed in the God of the Nile. And that in order to pacify the God of the Nile, he had to make sacrifices into the Nile River. Now, here's what you and I may have not understood, and I want to help you with this. The, 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 the legend had it, and the scholars believed that there were crocodiles in the Nile River. And that in order to pacify the God of the Nile River, they had to throw a child in as a sacrifice so that the crocodiles could eat and no longer bring judgment upon the Egyptians. So if you take that theory and you place it over where Pharaoh was, Pharaoh said, if I can kill the born children, the men children, then I stop the growth of explosion that's coming through the Hebrews, and I can also satisfy a false god. So when Jochebed says, I'm going to protect my child, hide my child. She's working together to do this. She comes to the place she can't hide him anymore, so she creates an ark, if you will, and puts the child in the ark and puts him in the midst of the world being the Nile. Now, here's where most mothers have problems. We want to protect, but we don't know how to release. You say, well, I am an overprotective parent. Look, they're 40. Get out of their marriage. Well, you know, I taught him better. I taught her better. Get out of their marriage. He's 40 years old. He knew he was going to be eating SpaghettiOs the rest of his life. Quit cooking him biscuits and enticing him to come to your house and leave his wife because you think you can do a better job than his present wife. It's Mother's Day and I just offended somebody. Can you imagine? True. Moms... You can protect them, but you have to come to the place to release them back into the world. Jochebed had to release her child, the one she saw as beautiful and blessed, back into what? Into the Nile, which was the system. What's in there? Crocodiles. Moms, there's crocodiles in this life. There's crocodiles of drugs. There's crocodiles of violence. There's crocodiles of secular humanistic things. There's crocodiles of sexually transmitted disease. It's in the world. Build the right kind of ark. Mama's got to build an ark. Of what? The values of Christian principles. Teach your children the right things. Don't be a friend. Be a parent.
Quit trying to be a friend to your daughter. She doesn't need a friend. She needs a parent. She needs a mama that said, no, you don't dress like that. We ain't going to the hoochie club. Come on, dress like a woman of God. Have some integrity. Have some honor. Dress respectable. You don't like it? I buy the clothes. Here we go again. Offensive, offensive, offensive. I just got to say it. So, well, I want them to express themselves. Do you understand there's crocodiles in the Nile? Do you understand that there are tormenting things in the Nile? Well, I'm trying to let them express themselves. I'm allowing them to sow some oats. Take the oats away. If they sow seeds of sexual promiscuity, then they're a teenager giving birth to a child. Well, I'm just allowing them to have some freedoms. Really. What did freedom produce for you? Okay, wait a minute. Y'all don't want to talk about the freedoms you were given. Because my mother and dad, and as an eighth grader, didn't give me a cure for you until midnight. They know eighth grader need to be out till midnight. My mom and daddy needed counseling. Because you know what? Before I ever became a freshman in high school, I was done smoking and, 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 and living a lifestyle that was totally contrary to what I should have been living because they didn't establish some standards that limited my freedom and creativity. You leave a child outside the protective ark and they will follow the suit of culture. Culture speaks volumes. We need some mamas that know how to protect their children, put them in the ark, but know how to release them into the world and know that what you taught them will not go nigh, but it will produce some results. That's where you've got to have enough faith to teach them, release them, and watch them come from the water back to the land. Oh, glory. you got to trust, mamas. But, 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 but he's my baby. He's 40. She's my daughter. Yeah, she done got married. Quit mama and her. That's why the Bible said that when a man and a woman become one, they separate from their mom and daddies. Well, I, I just, I'm just building them an ark of, of asphalt and pitch. I'm just providing them a basket and a covering. You have to release them. Because they'll never move through life when you limit their destiny. Now, that doesn't mean you stop caring, does it? What does that mean? That means I keep prophesying blessing and beauty and I make sure that I built the ark right. Listen, if, if you failed in the early years of your life providing an ark for your child, it's not too late yet to be able to instill in them some things. They may not readily run to it, but you can still give them a changed perspective of your life. You say the first 30 years that I was a mama, I was all jacked up and wadded up on life and now I'm saved, sanctified and filled with the Holy Ghost and I have a whole new perspective of life. Impart it. Still impart it. All right, I got to close because I told you I was going to be done. You release a child to their purpose and plan. The Bible says she pitched that 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 covering for her that for that for, for Moses that that ark and she released it and and allowed it back into the river. Probably one of the most difficult things for a mother is to release their child into the providence of God. 
Ladies, Jochebed had no earthly idea how this was going to turn out. She didn't have any idea. She had to trust that God was providentially going to take care of a three-month-old baby. Now, how ironic is it that she releases her child into the, to the Nile, which is the world system, and the only one that can save that child picks him up on down the river. You say, well, I believe in coincidence and fate. Oh, really? Pharaoh's daughter pulls him out of the world and puts him in the palace. Can I tell you something? God had a plan for Moses long before Jochebed and her husband hooked up. God had a purpose for that child long before Jochebed saw how it was going to work out. I got news for you this morning, and I want to encourage mothers with this. Let's stand. You don't have any idea where your child's going and where their destiny is. They may be an infant today. They may be an adolescent. They may be a teenager. They may be a grown adult. I got news for you. They can still change the world. They can still change the world. I'm thankful that we have mothers in this house that care about their kids so much that they're training them and raising them in the house of God. I look across. Look, you look around this room. There are some wonderful women of God in here. We're a church of two years. You look at this room, and there were nearly 50 mothers standing up front. That's an awesome thing, guys. Fifty mothers. Some of their children are grown. Several of our, our mothers have small children. Some of our mothers are carrying the next child. We've been so blessed in this ministry with mothers. But just being a mother is not what we're talking about. We're talking about a mother who looks at her child regardless of age and says, You're beautiful. And you're blessed. There's most of us in this room, if our mother had said you're beautiful and you're blessed, we'd have lived a lot differently. It wasn't until today that when I called my mother, who's 600 miles away, and said, Mom, I want you to know I love you. I appreciate everything you've done for me. been a long time coming for my mother to say son I love you too and I'm proud of you a long time coming she's not always going to understand what her son's become she certainly doesn't understand the, the ministry and these things but I don't care how old you are every son and every daughter wants to hear their mama say you're beautiful to me you're a blessing to me, regardless of whether you're 40, 14, or 4.
Speak blessings over your children, moms. Continue to call them beautiful blessings from God. Continue to protect them. But don't try to be an overprotective mother. Release them to the providence of God. Because if you hold your children close to you and you try to, to mother them when they're adults, what's going to happen is they're never going to reach their destiny. Because their destiny has to be in the providence of God. Not your plan, not your agenda. You've got to release them and let them go down the river. And they're going to get out of your sight. I'm sure my mother never thought that I would move as a freshman in college 600 miles away. I crushed my parents when I moved away as a freshman in college. I didn't just go to school. I went to school and then exited the state. To this day, I finally understand how severely I hurt them because they couldn't protect me. But now over the years and many years later, they've learned how to still protect me. And I've learned to allow them to provide some protection for me through wisdom and counsel and insight. Y'all hear me? Trust God. He's got a plan on down the river. And there's no crocodile going to prevail over your babies. And God's going to pull them out. Listen, when Pharaoh's daughter, she pulled him back out of the water. What's God going to do? He's going to providentially, some mamas need to hear this as a revelation for you. God is going to providentially pull your son and your daughter out of the Nile, out of the world system. You say, well, they're old now. doesn't matter. He's still got a plan to pull them out. He's still got a plan to change the world with them. I hope today somehow in that little story that, that helps some mothers, but now I need to talk to some sons and daughters We've been pulled out of the Nile ourselves. Isn't it about time we do something for God? We've been pulled out of the Nile. We've been brought out of that muddy, cursed water. And we've been brought out of sin. And we've been set in the palace. We've been called a royal priesthood, a chosen generation, an elect people. Isn't it about time we show up and live it? Isn't it about time we start living the life of a deliverer to the people of our culture? So whether you're a mother, a son, or a daughter, it's time to capitalize on this day. Will you join me across this house? Just lift your hands. Father, today we want to do what you've asked us to do. Thank you for mothers in this house. We've already blessed them, and we're so appreciative of them. But we pray today that they got a revelation, a revelation of speaking prophetically over their child, regardless of age. May there be mothers that speak prophetically an assurance over their children that their children are blessed, they're beautiful, they're inheritance of the Lord. May mothers have that revelation today. May mothers continue to be protectors. May they continue to teach and to instruct the values of kingdom life, not philosophy and not of men, but, but of, the, of the culture of the kingdom of God. And I pray that mothers will have enough trust to release their children into a system that's faulty and sinful. But may they know that you are providentially taking care of every child we release. To the mother that's overprotective, I pray today she got a revelation. She needs to release her child. That God has a plan on down the river. God has a plan for your child.
He's got a Pharaoh's daughter on down the river who's going to pull that child up out of the water, going to provide for it, and set it on destiny's course to make a difference in humanity. I pray for every individual in this room that's a son and a daughter. Maybe your mother has passed on. Maybe your mother has went on to glory. I challenge you today, show up in life. Represent the kingdom of God every day of your life. You can honor your mother even though she's passed on to glory. You can honor her by living every day as an ambassador of Jesus Christ. Of the values and the love and the characteristics that she deposited into your life. Show up in life. I'm calling men and women, boys and girls, to show up in life. Let us be a light that cannot be diminished. Let us be a light on a hillside that darkness cannot cover. And let us represent that there is a way out of the Nile and out of the cursed water of sin that we are a joint heir and an heir of the kingdom of God and that our purpose and our destiny is great. Help us to live for you every day of our life. May we honor you in your mighty name, Jesus. Amen and amen. How many received this this morning? Amen. You ever wondered who or what can change the course of history? I know that's a deep question. You know, who or what can change the course of of human history? Because so many times we look at, at kings or presidents... We look at political leaders or we look at the wealthy or the Fortune 500 company to, to change the course of history. But what we've learned, and, and if you study history any at all, I, I, I'm one of those individuals, I enjoy history. I enjoy learning about uh, the, the mistakes and the successes of the past. And, and uh, so I spend probably a lot of time, maybe more than I should, uh, looking back at some of the things that, that our other generation previously maybe didn't receive from and, and see if we can glean some information. What I've learned and what you probably learned is most often God's not necessarily looking for a king. He's not always looking for a Fortune 500 CEO. He's not always looking for a general or a, a president to change the course of history. Uh, most often he's just looking for a man or woman who's willing and sometimes that willing individual comes from poor economic backgrounds. They've been disadvantaged economically. Maybe they've come from fragmented homes, or, or, or maybe they, they have had no power uh, to prevail in life, and they, they barely got by through educationally, and, and it seemed as if they were adrift, and then all at once something took hold of them, and their life was transformed and renewed, and, and they got a clear picture of destiny and future. And all at once, they became an earth shaker and a world changer. And I believe we're living in a land right now that, that demands we have some world changers. That we have some individuals, whether it be this present culture or the culture of the generation coming up, that are world changers, that have a view of, of biblical mandates, and they understand that they can be world changers and they can make a difference in the world. In Exodus chapter 